I'm Jake Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. folks thank you for tuning into another episode of bucks america podcast i'm your host jeff vance tonight's podcast is with the world-renowned brandon waddell he is the man the myth legend behind the mount archery fest i'm going to be going to my first event this year on behalf of our my good friend uh, ben Klausman from Sodak Horizon and Trent. Both of them have been on my podcast. So please go check out their episodes. Go subscribe to their content on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok as well. So don't forget about them. We'll have our chat open so this way you can feel free to ask Brandon any questions or myself. But, uh, we're going to be looking. I've been, been waiting for this for a while. Ben told me about Brandon here about a year or so ago regarding his relationship and has his first experience when he was out there doing all the cinematography and all the filming that he did and how much fun it really truly is. He was also telling me about the story of him on Bighorn. And I was telling him, like, I used to, like, there's there's a place called Shell, Wyoming, that's at the bottom of the base of the mountain there. And there's there, there was a bar there. I'm not sure if it's still there anymore, but they had particular campers that were made off of flatbeds for like haul and hay and such. These campers are well designed where they have a bed, they have a furnace, they have everything you want. The owner of the bar told me, hey, just sleep out there. Well, I was out hitchhiking here back in 2008. We had the last recession, which is kind of out talking about it now because we're walking right into a new one. So anyways, Brandon, tell us about yourself. Tell us the origin you've become to be the person you are today. Brandon Waddell. Uh, I was born and raised uh, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, on the front range near Denver. Uh, grew up an only child to some divorced parents when I was about six years old. So I grew up in a stepdad, stepmom, stepbrother, stepsister world. Pretty normal for the most part, but then uh, got an opportunity. My mom moved to Durango, Colorado, which is where I still reside today. I was about 10 years old then when I moved there. That's when I kind of got out of the city and into the outdoors and was able to kind of get a piece of real life if you will some fresh air boy scouts and actually in a in a smallest town that you could make friends that's kind of a little bit about my childhood grew up in the 80s born in the 70s you know we kind of touched base on that a little bit prior to hit and record you know i was kind of grew up in that rock and long hair rock and roll era drugs women and rock and roll kind of deal and graduated high school in 89 Got myself in some trouble with the law early in my life, basically becoming a drug addict. Spent my spent quite a few years in that world. <clears throat> the deep part of my story was, you know, I, I was kind of stuck there, doing a lot of dope, running dope, doing a bunch of illegal shit. And then finally one day I, you know, kind of got slapped upside the head, if you will, with facing some really hard time and and finally had to take a, a step back and take a look at where I was at and uh, make some changes in my life. And that was uh, very early 2000. From there, kind of got my shit together, got cleaned up, went through some mental shit, trying to figure out, you know, who I was. I mean, basically, from the time I started doing dope to then was about 15 years. I never really grew up, if you will. Um, never really had to deal with anything as a man. 
in a reality sense. And so, you know, I kind of spent some time trying to figure out who I was and what I could be. Ended up, I mean, there's a lot in between that kind of in there, but in my 20s and stuff that we could go through. But really, it's kind of a just a blur, if you will, to some degree. I'd been through two marriages by then. Uh, finished my second one early 2000s as well. And then I met my current wife, Callie, who I'd known from high school. We we had briefly dated in high school. Madly in love with her then, but still had too many women and uh, too many parties to go to, if you will. And so funny how life circled me back into her life. Then we blended a couple families and mine, yours, ours, and theirs, if you will. And then we had one together. So she had a few, I had a few. We had one together, and then we adopted our oldest and our youngest. Their ages range from, range from 31 down to 15 years old currently. Pretty much grew up riding bikes and Harleys and kind of twisting the throttle, if you will, at triple digits for most of my life. And I found myself with an old friend of mine, Tommy Romero, came out, hunted on my property, took a nice buck, third season rifle. I bought a property out on 40 acres with a bunch of land around me, some killer neighbors. They had been taken over by the deer and the elk sitting there for three years empty. So we had some studs rolling around the property and Tommy took a nice buck. And then he asked me if I'd shot a bow. And I was like, well, that sounds like Boy Scouts, you know, and I was 10, 11, 12 years old or something. And he whipped out this bow and it fit me like a glove other than the peep. And and so I was shooting that bow a little bit. And I tell this story on about every podcast. This could be a little redundant for some people, but it's super important to me because it was that moment that changed the course of my my life to a degree. I was sitting there shooting that bow. And in the beginning, you know, I could, he was telling me what to do and all this stuff because I never shot a compound bow. And, and then pretty soon, I'm just firing off arrows, man. And he just sounds like, you know, peanuts in the background. Rah, 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 rah. I was so focused on what I was doing that it just was like, it just, it blew me away. It consumed me. I mean, instantaneously consumed me. You know, I've got kind of an old saying where there's only two places in this world where it's fun without me. And that was when I was riding my Harley or riding my wife. And uh, <laughs> quickly I found something else that consumed me enough that the world was spinning without me. And so archery quickly became my life if you will not just a hobby not just something that consumed me but really kind of took me over and from there you can kind of fast forward to uh through a few years of being just enormously engrossed in the sport being a complete gearhead absorbing everything i could from any person who would give me any information show me anything about the sport including hunting calling you know, um, scouting, executing, um, you name it. And, you know, I had, I just, I just had an obsession with it, to be honest. And I quickly just became an archery prodigy to many killer dudes and women that were successful. And, and to kind of get that, to really set that into motion, I started a podcast called the Wilderness Attitude Podcast, and I ran that about three years, made it to 170-some episodes. I was actually sponsored by HHA for quite a while, and know Chris Ham very well, and, and Scott Bakken, who used to work there as well, and I did a lot of, I, I learned a lot through that podcast, a lot about myself, a lot about other people, a lot about the sport, the industry, and 
and everything in between. And, you know, that, that all kind of led me to meeting people who brought me into this mountain archery fest world, if you will. Yeah, I've just I'm at 161 episodes. I'm not too far off. I've been doing this podcast now since 2017, and it's like I've gotten to meet some amazing people. 2016 was kind of like a, a year I bought all the all the gear and like learning the do's and don'ts and stuff like of how to work with the gear. Never released any podcast, and that's what I figured out. Like you don't buy cheap microphones. You just like you need to start off at least getting a a decent share mic from that in that hundred dollar range and you go up now i'm rocking the the sm7b's that they have out there and these are these have been really really well i've gotten to meet some awesome dude, even even sodak he was stopped by so there's people in the chat group here for and on youtube here and it's like heck yeah a bunch of awesome dudes so that's been for you and i also have a buddy from california max i invited him to come out to uh to utah with me just because it'd be the closest time to actually meet but his uh his days are all pretty much plan for for when it comes down to uh, hunting season for uh, I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to go out for uh, elk or whitetail whatever will be able to fit in his side of his time frame he lives in California so it's like he's taxed at both ends whether whether he's eating or whether he's shitting he's just taxed that's kind of anybody it's kind of any of us in the United States at this point it doesn't matter if it's coming or going you know we're <laughs> that's all true at that we're all sitting at that plus 50 percent tax rate really in all honesty so yeah, but they get a little bit harder, I think, out in Cali. That's for damn sure. Oh, that they did, and then then they then they then they just spied to fest everywhere else and just dis- dismantle the entire economies and the areas that they go in and infest. It's like it's like a toxin that comes in, and there's like there's bills as a pimple, and then it, now we're almost time and it's gonna pop, and it's like now it's gonna just gonna destroy everything around it because they decided to bid up all these properties that should have been kept at 150, 175 thousand. Been de- we've been dealing with Californification in Colorado for 25 years. I mean, it's like it's pretty much nothing new to us. The only thing that and the people used to bitch about all the Texans and all that kind of shit in Colorado, but really they kept us a little bit more true to our own selves longer than we probably would have. Um, you know, but I can tell you that you know I've always called Colorado the little California um, because for some reason. I don't know. It's just because we start with a C, like we just got a, like we're the, you know, little stepbrother or some shit, but it, it's always been kind of a little deeper in Colorado right behind them. It feels like. But. Yeah. And then it goes, then it goes to Arizona. Cause I know I have some friends out there in Arizona there. It's like, I, it reminds me of 2006, 2007 and what it's going on right now out there. And it's like that bubble's going to pop. And it's like their forecast to be in the top five most effective city affected cities in America from the, when, when the bubble does finally pop. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I mean, pre-Obama's when, you know, really was, it got pretty, pretty bad. And then you knew, you knew when those hard red states, hard red counties um, flipped blue, that you knew that Californication had achieved its first goal. Um, That's just kind of my, my conspiracy theory with it all, to be honest. Uh, But uh, yeah, you know, it's good to have those guys on the YouTube live. That's cool. I'm glad they're tuning in. Ben, is an awesome dude that I've gotten to know in the last couple of years. Um, we're stoked to have him on our team at MAF at this point. Um, I think he's an extreme asset to this community, um, to our board, to our business, and to, you know, and even to, you know, anybody that's involved with him. He's a great guy and, and a leader. 
And I think, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Ben is with Sodak Horizon on Instagram, you need to check him out. A great godly guy, good family man, um, great friend, uh, extremely intelligent person, and has a great eye behind the camera. So I think um, he's he's got a future in front of him that is, you know, it's, it's him versus himself at this point because he can <laughs> crush it. He can crush it any other way. Oh, for sure. That's something that's uh, Alexander the Great said. His biggest en- enemy is me. Uh, I'm paraphrasing that, but yes, exactly. Well, him and I are going to be hanging. We're going to be driving out to go to your event out there in Beaver at the end of June, which we're pretty excited. And I'm actually going to pay it forward and going to give him some old podcast gear because I've been upgrading my stuff. So it's like, well, here, like, not, so this way, just one less thing off of his off of his uh, to do list because I mean, he just had a beautiful daughter, and uh, I find myself online looking at buying like oh i could send this over to ben's house it's like but i'm five hours away because he lives on just inside the border there of, of south dakota i live on the other side of the border uh into wisconsin here so we, all we have to do is just cross over minnesota it's just a very long boring drive across one direction <laughs> and, and anything in minnesota on i-90 right i-90 yeah that is a shithole highway i'm telling you that right now i traveled that a while back in a semi and it was like I was I was driving in the middle of the night to try to make it into the um, uh, the corner of South Dakota there in the southwest corner to a place to get a, a stainless steel tank put on a rig. And dude, I was driving through the night, and there was pieces of the highway that would just disappear. Like I mean, just disappear. Like you were cruising along, and the next thing you know, you drop six or eight inches into abyss, and you'd be there for as long as they decided to keep you there before they put you back on a normal pavement. Um, and then. In the passenger lane, there was potholes deep enough to fit, you know, a Prius in it. You know, I was like, it was just mind-boggling to me how messed up that highway was. Now, it's been a handful of years ago, 10, 12 years ago, but, man. It hasn't gotten any better, except except from from lacrosse to rochester is actually the only good stretch of highway because then once you get to stewartville then you get out to i-35 uh that intersection then go out west it's just nothing but tore up it is just absolute when i go to okaboji i will come off of i-90 and drop down to highway 90 just take a two-lane highway just because it's not as fucking bumpy it is just absolutely horrible and you're driving a big rig or you're buying a truck and you don't have good suspension or good shocks on it you're gonna feel everything it's like you feel like you just got done riding off uh, on a Harley without the side, without the benefits of having the wind to your face. Yeah, like riding a hardtail. That's basically what I was doing. I was bobtailing a ten wheeler with nothing on the back end of it, man. It was like from Greensboro, North Carolina to there. What was that? What's that town down there that I went to in the southwest corner that's right off the edge of the state line? Well, so you have um, you have Yankton, you have Beersburg, Beersford, you have Sioux Falls. Two Falls. It's the last big town before you cross the state line, right? Yes. Yeah, so, well, as you once you cross into Minnesota, well, depending if you're going west on 90, that will be the first big city when you cross into South Dakota, or the last so one going the last, east. It was the last one going west. I was going west towards Colorado, so it wasn't Sioux City. It's been Sioux Falls. Sioux um, Falls. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was silly. So I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was bad. I was on a twenty, uh, and you know, I, I, you know, I'm not really. I was on a twenty-hour run from um, uh, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I had to drop down out of out of Carolinas, go down to Kentucky to get around the flooding that year, and then come up into Minnesota and cut across. 
And, uh, and I was, I had to make it to Sioux Falls by 6 a.m. to make my appointment to get that steel tank on. And I was pushing through the night. I mean, I was, I was calling buddies in the middle of the night, like, you know, stay awake with me, keep me alive. I mean, I was doing everything I could, just keep two sticks in my eyelids, try to stay awake, <laughs> driving that damn rig into town. Um, but, yeah, that was back when I was a little bit younger, man. I could push. I used to be able to drive some miles back in the day, but. With the DOT regulations, you're stuck. You're stopped at like 610 10 miles in a day, and that's 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 it. Well, and, you know, this is and so I'll tell you a funny story about that. So I ended up there about 6 a.m. We got that tank on. The guy at that the stainless steel place asked me, he's like, "Do you need any help getting through the port?" And I was like, "No, no, I'll be fine. Not worried about it." Because I was thinking I'll leave at night. It'll be closed. I'll make it through it. No problem. I, I know where everything is going through Nebraska and cutting down Colorado. I wouldn't have any issues. And um, I wasn't running a log at all. And where I was a trucker at for most of this 18 years, I didn't have to run a log because I was within 100 aeronautical miles. So, you know, I was just kind of rolling my dice the whole way there and just blowing through port and blowing past ports and not stopping. And anyway, I got pulled into this port. Um, going into nebraska there and i pulled in and this guy says to me he's like i rolled across the scale and he's like get your ass in here and so i flipped the bitch and went in there and walked in you know what's up what do you need you know he's like where's your log where's your paperwork i'm like what what do you mean like what do you what what's that i mean i just basically played dumb and (laughs) he just kind of looked at me and he's like yeah what do you mean what is that this and that and anyway Long story short, he says, go get your paperwork. Huh? You're a businessman. I know you kept all your receipts. Let's see where you've been when. And I was walking out going, fuck. <laughs> you got gotcha. so much trouble, man. It's so all outside. I get all my stuff, and I'm walking in. And I'm opening up my folder, and I'm like, let's see, the Denver International Airport. Uh, God, I don't know where that's at. You know, I'm got my phone. I'm like, I'm looking at the map, trying to, you know, timeline all these receipts. I've just been shoving in this binder. You know, I have not, I haven't kept any order of nothing. And uh, he's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he comes over and he basically like grabs all my shit and just pushes it to me in a pile. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. I just got off the phone with my best friend. He happens to be the gentleman that sold you this tank and did all the work on your truck. Next time someone asks you if you need help getting through a port, you might take them up on it. He says, so here's, he goes, here's the deal. He says, you're going to put all this shit in this notebook, and you're going to get in that truck. You're going to get the hell out of my port. You're going to get into Nebraska. You're going to go to the, you're going to go to the truck stop. You're going to find a fucking lot lizard that's going to teach you how to do a log book, <laughs> and you're going to start running the log because I'm calling ahead, and you're going to have it set from here. Basically, you flew here. You grabbed this truck, and you're going home. And that's how your log better be written because I'm calling every place there is in, the, in Nebraska and I'm going to make sure that you're getting kept tabs on and I'm going to find you if you don't do what I say. And I was just like, holy shit, he's all. And I just want you to know something. I could keep, I could find you about seven grand and I could make you sit in that truck for the next five days. And so help me God, if you even got out of that truck to even piss or shit, I'd throw you in jail. And then he goes, so let this be a reminder to you that you you need to run a log book. You need to follow the law. And um, 
he let me out of there, dude. I went and got a logbook. I started running. I knew how to do a logbook. I didn't need to know a lot lizard to show me how to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I went and got a logbook. I started running it. And then as quickly as I could, I mapped the way to make it around every freaking port there was and get my ass home. And, uh, and I made it home without any tickets and without any fines and without paying any field trip permits or travel permits. And I mean, I could be getting myself in a shit ton of trouble right now. Oh, yeah, that, you're right. That isn't nice. Sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> and so, anyway, yeah, short story there for you about my trucker days and, and going through the ports there. It was, uh, it was interesting. That's hilarious. So how did you get into, get into your current line of work with developing math? Well, so, you know, I'd, I'd, done, um, I'd gotten pretty heavy into the sport archery. I'd gotten uh, myself in some trouble on a mountain at one point in time. You know, my mind thought it could take, I could go further than my body could take me. Uh, I had a small accident in the backwoods, slid down a mountain, busted some arrows up, busted my bow, ended up down in this hellhole to barely get my ass out during a hunt, an elk hunt, and I was all by myself, and I quickly came to realize that I wasn't everything I thought I was. So I started, I started working out, and while I was working out, I kind of found uh, some meaning in that, and found train to hunt so i started competing for a train to hunt event i went and competed in that got third place in my first event did really well still wasn't quite where i wanted to be physically so i kept going did another one um started doing alpha bow hunting challenges just getting in anything i could archery competitive wise on a physical nature that kind of led and then that combined with wilderness attitude i started a relationship with pope and young I was going to Pope and Young conventions and podcasting with some of the greatest bow hunters on this planet. And, you know, the quiet, the quiet bow hunting heroes, if you will, you know, Harv Ebers, Chuck Adams, Jack Frost, you know, some of these guys that are elders in Pope and Young at this point, 80 plus years old, you know, who hunted with Fred Bear, different things like that. And so, you know, I really just kind of got to know that heritage and the ethics and that conservation piece. And, and then I end up bringing a competitive edge to the Pope and Young conventions. So I was doing some of that based around kind of a train to hunt feel and bringing train to hunt's name into it and that kind of thing. And Kenton Claremont really kind of helped me develop that. He was the owner of train to hunt and, and that kind of piece started a little bit. And then I had a gentleman reach out to me starting uh, this festival, if you will. It was kind of his brainchild in the beginning. It's something that I'd given thought to already. Me and my best friend, Matt Howell, had talked with our competitor about bringing an event to Durango. And he was like, nah, it ain't close enough to a highway or an airport and things like that. And we really felt our mountain could do that and do and serve that purpose very well. It's funny that I, I called my friend, Matt Howell, and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And he kind of giggled because he's like, well, I was just up there at Purgatory three days ago and was talking to him about the same thing. You know, and we both contacted Purgatory separate from one another, even though we went to Sean together to talk to him about all this stuff. This gentleman that had approached me, he wanted me to be his mountain manager, basically. Like he was going to do contracts, sponsorships, mountain agreements. He was going to do all that, all the advertising. But he wanted, he had heard through the grapevine that, you know, I set a good 3D course. I was really good at this. The, my name came up in multiple conversations that he had had in the industry. So 
he reached out to me and I kind of hemmed and hawed about it a little bit. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing this podcast and it takes up a ton of my spare time. And, you know, I'm a father of nine kids and married and I run, you know, a couple other businesses and I just didn't think it was going to fit, but I was, but I was, in, but I was intrigued, you know, about the opportunity. The next thing I know, I'm up at a Donnie Vincent film in Denver and this gentleman totally comes out of nowhere and he's like, I knew I'd find you. And so, you know, I want to, I want to sit down and talk to you tonight about my proposal, like in person. And I want to get to know you and whatnot. And so we, we sat down and talked about it. And then I was even more intrigued. I was really excited about the opportunity. I thought it could be awesome. He really sold me. So I went home, talked to my wife about it a little bit. She was, you know, less than thrilled in the beginning. I mean, but she's never not supported anything I've ever done. It kind of turned out that we, you know, I kind of just, we went to ATA, I believe, and I was podcasting there because that all happened in October with them. Went to ATA, kind of beat it around, talked to some people who I knew in the industry, who I met, bounced it off of some folks that I thought would give me some good feedback, and everything was very positive. Everybody thought it was a great idea. So then I started wagering my relationships with some people to begin building my mountain infrastructure, if you will, of the event. And so I went ahead and did that, made an agreement with this guy that we would do it, and we proceeded to move forward. So I had done a handshake deal on $60,000 worth of foam with the owner of Kirsch uh, Targets, Kirsch Hunting. You can find him on Instagram. And um, Philip, amazing guy. So I started that process. And then I started trying to find a team that could get me involved or help support me in that in that deal. And so quickly in this relationship, this this other gentleman ended up finding himself in some in some hard times, needed to step away from what we were doing. Basically said, look, you know, I'm out. As quick as we were in, he was out. And um, he needed to do this, you know, to kind of save his marriage, save his life. You know, some things came about that were definitely warranted for his exit. And I completely understood where he was at. And, um, and he basically signed everything over to me and said, you know, I want you to do this, you know, good luck. So I went for it. Uh, I went back home, kind of thought about whether I wanted to or not with the wife, but you know, I'd had, I got the $60,000 of the targets I'm coming and all these people I'd talked to. It was already where he had the dates, we already had contracts. We already had, you know, I mean, we had advertising already going and my name on it already. And I just didn't feel like turning back was an option. Thus, the Mountain Archery Fest was born. You know, I came back to my family and said, you know, I'm going to need your guys' help to pull this off. And they all agreed and said yes. And, and quite frankly, you know, from there, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, my family, up to this year of year five now at this point. You know, I, I got to tell you, like in our first year, we had four locations. They weren't all contracted like they were supposed to be. I ended up keeping two. Had to move one from Brian Head Ski Resort in Utah to Eagle Point. That's how we ended up there. We had massive snow. They wanted to move our date. Or I wanted to move our date. They wouldn't move the date. They basically said, we don't want to restructure the deal. We don't want to pick a different weekend. We're out. And so I was like, well, fuck. You know, and so I called up Shane, the owner of Eagle Point, and said, what do you think? And he said, absolutely, let's do it. We'll make it happen. And in 26 or 29 days, I can't remember which, we switched venues and locations and threw our first event at Eagle Point. I showed up with 
you know, my two 15-year-old sons at the time, 10-year-old son, my wife, my mom, a few of my daughters, and, uh, and we set 160 pieces of foam and threw an event. That was, and there was the beginning of math. Now we're in our fifth year, and some of those kids are still in play. Some have moved on with their own independent lives because they're tired of being child, free child labor. And we've grown an amazing board, an amazing crew. That's where we're at today. That's really impressive that everything has all come together and such, because now I'm looking through your website here. Seven events total. Yeah, we've got, uh, we just moved east this year in our fifth year. We finally made it east. It's something I wanted to do a couple of years ago in my big plan back in the day. But we just added an event in Georgia, in Rome, Georgia, at Kingston Downs, and then Camp Freedom in Carbondale, and then the five we had last year in the west, in Colorado, two in Utah, one in Wyoming, and one in Montana. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking through some of these these that are coming. I'm not sure if your website's duplicated some of the, because you have one in like Lakeside, Montana, July 24th. Then you got uh, Shell, Wyoming. Then then you got Beaver, Utah. So all the, these are just different uh pieces of information you can review because you got the opportunity to register then you have event reviews gotcha yeah and Callie might be working on the website too who's to say she's she's busy busy all the time on that thing it's always changing it's cray cray website work is, is a lot of, i have a my buddy of mine that works with me on the dose after dark podcast he just built a, a website for us for that podcast and that was we, well, we worked together on that one for about eight hours and that's a that was a, a haul in itself like going through and programming and building all the pages and so on and so forth I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's, a, it's it's never stopping it's never ending no it's never ending and i can tell you that when you're trying to put together i mean we have our website has so much on it i mean there's so much information for us to 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 try to convey between you know each event registering volunteering information overall information about the festival partners that we have glamping competitions novelty hunt giveaways and other prizes seminars after our events our store facts questions i mean it's it's a little bit overwhelming i think i couldn't imagine being my my web designer it would and then as much as I change things, I, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't uh, Callie doing it, I'd, I'd probably have gone through a handful of them because they'd hate me. <laughs> so. Oh, completely understand. It is an understatement when a call comes down to that. And so what was your, what was the whole purpose behind, is it like you wanted to, to create Mount Archery Fest as a competition? Because you mentioned a lot about Train to Hunt. And I was like, I went to my first Train to Hunt when Brian Austin was running, when he did the last, the last year in Wisconsin. So is, is this just like you wanted to create something other than TAC? Or I'm trying to find the, the, the vision of Mount Archery Fest. So the vision of Mount Archery Fest was, is kind of spawned in, in both of those things you talked about. So, you know, seeing what, what TAC didn't deliver on, in my opinion, when I was there, you know, when I was there, there was no women, there was no children, um, you know, and I mean, these are early days of TAC, and I just felt like it was all long shots, you know, who you knew, who was insta-famous, who wasn't, you know, getting signed up was a pain in the ass, you know, it was just one of those things where I just felt like Mount Archery Fest could do some of these things for a different purpose, and just differently in general, so math was kind of, after it was kind of put in my lap, math had to have had to have some key things involved in it one it had to have a family aspect right it had to i'm a family man it's important to me 
and it's what is going to drive this industry forward and collectively make us better. Okay. On the mountain, I have to have a competitive side. Everyone has a competitive side, whether they want to admit it or not. And so we do have the mountain madness comp that we have on Saturdays, but I also wanted part of the mountain to be fun. It needed to be recreational because I'm not down to compete in everything I do. There's a time and, and, a, and a moment for that to, to be, you know, and that's kind of a manly spirit, if you will, a warrior's mentality, right? You got to have, you got to be gentle, but you got to be aligned at the same time. Then I wanted a piece on that course that had to do with conservation and ethics and heritage. And that's kind of where our Pope and Young World Record course came into play, because that's important to me as well for our sustainability of what I ultimately like to do, and that's hunt. Then I wanted something on there that symbolized some fantasy. So like one of our courses, we have targets you've never seen before, fun targets, um, like a gnome holding a beer or, you know, an angry carrot or some things like that, where it's just fun, just fun, plain and simple fun. Um, and then, of course, you know, I did want a course like our carbon course where, you know, you're sending arrows and you're launching stuff out there so you can see the flight and you can understand trajectory and arc and the power and the understanding of your setup. Fun sometimes to go out and shoot the sport with no other intention other than just letting it fly. Not that it's, not that it's a course that, you know, um, is ethical or anything like that, but just, just to go do it. You know, I mean, how often have you ever thought when you were a kid, you just wanted to grab lawn darts and just throw the son of a bitch as high as you could in the air and just see where the hell it went. Been you there, know, done with, that. With, with, with reckless abandonment, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> so, you know, so that kind of is that course. And then of course, you know, in the early days, like I had kind of, a, a, which we still have a Western hunter style course, right? And that is something that's kind of true to my heart because of the hunting piece. And I wanted people to be put into scenarios that were realistic to the things that I was dealing with that I'm good at or things I've done that I've succeeded or, you know, things I'd like to see people improve upon that you read about statistics of certain shots that people want to take or shouldn't take. And it's really a course to really teach you about your true ability. You know, over the years we've, we've brought, and of course I always had a kid course because I want the kids to have their own, their own space. They need to be able to have the ability to go out and be kids, learn them, you know, in their own, in their own space. Right. And, and get that cause and effect. And that's a course that kind of, you know, to me replaces the phone replaces video games because the values that it, it, it brings. And, um, and like I mentioned, the cause and effect, the concentration and the mindfulness and being present, I think is super important. Um, you know, and then last year we started the track action mobility course, which, you know, not only brought our family aspect together, but, you know, that math has done. But now it's, we're, the mo we're just the most inclusive 3D event in the USA. Now we have a course that's for people that are in chairs or have some disabilities or, you know, that just creates opportunity for them that TAC doesn't because the courses are too long or too steep or, you know, or just too difficult or the shots are all too long or as we've grown i just always every year i kind of find a new need that we need to fill that is just kind of a space in the archery demographic that's being left out so you know math is has 
grown in its five years, but, you know, first and foremost, the first five were the foundation of what I wanted to achieve, you know, and I think we've done a great job at that, you know, and I just, I wanted it to be able to serve those hardworking blue collar families that, that want to grow in the sport, whether it's just to shoot foam or just to, you know, be around other like-minded individuals in a safe place that embodies, you know, as much American made product as we can and raising, you know, a patriotic sense as well, because, you know, ultimately when you look around math, it, it's who I am, who I am. And, um, and what, and my family, right. Who we are, you know, when I go to other 3d shoots, I see people trying to present something for others you know, that's not true to themselves or true to the sport or true to their mission statement or, you know, they're trying to fit in. Um, and that's just not where I want to be. Um, you know, I want to be different. I mean, to some degree, we're the same old thing, right? We're targets on a mountain, we're a 3D shoot, right? But it's like, you know, trying to explain to people, you know, what and who math is you know, that's the best explanation I can give you. You nailed it right on the park here because everything you touched upon, I was going to go over through your website here, but you nailed everything. And like, I like the, the, the courses that, you, that you've set up because this reminds me of something that Brian Austin was set up in his evil ways because he, he is very creative in how to make you hurt at the end of the day. I'll tell you what, if you ever have a chance to, sh well, you're a pretty busy man, but it's like his uh, King of Hill 3D in July, it is something that it is a challenge. And I brought a buddy of mine out there. He, well, you know, you probably know Jeremy uh, Fisher from the Toxnap. Uh, he, he, I took him out there. I told him to bring boots. Had I did not tell him what to expect or what's going on. He still hates me this day, but he, we had a blast. <laughs> we absolutely, we had a blast for it. I trained for it too because I knew what was going to go, what was going to go on throughout the entire event. And I like that the fact that he, because we just, well, we did a podcast like what, like two weeks ago with that, and we spent down damn near two hours just talking about all the upcoming events that he has going on. He really puts a lot of thought into it, just like you do. You, there's a lot of things in it that really hones that family aspect to it. That's why uh, Ben and myself and uh, and so probably several others are going to turn this into that have turned this into a family event. Because they're going to be, let's see, you got Ben and his crew, so that's five people. Then. Uh, Trent and his wife and, my, and myself, my wife only has a handful of days off, so you have to be pick and choose. I've been working with my company for six years, so I'm already up to two weeks already off, and I'm for paid PTO, so I was like, I still have a whole bunch more PTO to earn between now and then. I have a busy, busy week, a busy uh, season ahead of me, so I'm just really, I'm really excited about what everything you've, you've managed to accomplish in just five years. Yeah, I'll give you a little backstory. Me and Brian are good friends. I think it was my second or yeah, second year we are going into. Brian was working with Kent and Claremont at Train to Hunt for a year. Um, and towards the end of that year, the three of us sat down and met in, in Denver at a BHA rendezvous. And we, we had plans of bringing the three of us together. Uh, me and Kenton were talking about merging Train to Hunt and Mountain Archery Fest. Brian being heavily involved in that and basically building a new, a new archery phenomenon, if you will, between the three of us. 
and everything that Brian's doing definitely, you know, like even my first couple of years, I had a train to hunt course and we did a, a mini train to hunt at each of my events. But then when COVID hit, Kenton had a new job at a high school as a principal and a PE teacher and all that stuff. And so he retreated, pulled back in, did what he needed to do, kind of stepped out of play. And then at that point in time, Brian went to do his thing. I went to do my thing. Brian's coming to the purgatory event this year. And I've always, like, I just talked to him last week. And I was like, dude, I'm coming to Vortex. And he's always talking about it. I'm like, I'm coming to the Vortex event. Oh, in April. And, 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 and yeah. And he's like, we're not doing that anymore at Vortex, dude. He's like, they pulled that event off the table. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I finally got it to where I can come to your event. And he's like, no, nah, dude. It's we're not doing it. And I was heartbroken because I wanted to come compete and support him at his event because, you know, when he's doing stuff in the summer, I'm doing stuff in the summer. I can't break away to go do that event with him. Me and Brian have a lot of similarities in who we are and how we've stayed true to ourselves and how we've and how we've projected that through our events and our passions. And, you know, I, I speak highly of brian austin he's a he's one of my favorite gingers in the world dude like he's he's always shot me straight he always gives it to me like you know like a man would and we have great conversations we utilize each other's information and knowledge within our industry and sponsorships and products and people and what's kind of working and what's not working and because we just both really want each other to be successful you know a little bit of backstory about about Brian and, and, and beast mode and Brandon and math, you know, um, you know, I'm always hopeful that someday we talked in the beginning about how to merge ourselves, you know, like in the beginning, it was like, we were, I was trying to get him to still be in that space of coming to each of my events and doing a beast mode component and all this stuff. And he even said to me last week that he's really glad he didn't do that. Um, because it's really allowed him to stay in his lane and really, stay in that piece that he wanted to do in his own community. And he's, he's so excited about, you know, the extra States that keep showing up to his event. I mean, he's, his ripple effect is moving out from Wisconsin. You know, we even talked about the stigma of how dudes in the West think that like they're better than his event because they're from altitude or they're from the West or whatever. And, um, you know, anybody that's in the West that's listening to this, you couldn't be more wrong. Show up in Wisconsin, challenge yourself to a beast mode archery event and prepare to get your ass handed to you because there's no one in this country that is going to take you to the limits and, and expose you to the things where you're weak in your archery game, your physical game, your mental game, then um, you're, you know, even tapping into your emotional side. Brian's a stud and his event is, is a, uh, a man maker, if you will. I challenge anybody to go do that event. Uh, I know that I'd be humbled when I roll in there as well, because I know that Brian is here to make champions in this world and, uh, and nothing less. The endurance race at the end of April is he's no longer doing that. Cause so the endurance is, but the indoor, the indoor vortex one is what I was referring to. And it was supposed to be the first weekend of March. Oh yeah. That, yeah, that would, they did take that off the, off the list. Yeah. 
yeah, we, two weeks away or a week and a half away or so. So that's the one that I'm referring to. Yeah, I got you. Okay, yeah, because I know because I know Chris and him worked together to work to try to correspond with the to do the endurance race at the end of April, along with doing a a tribute for the veterans. I got invited with because uh, Chris sent me invite, so I'll be doing that on Friday. And then just spending pretty much just spending the entire weekend between Wisconsin Rapids and Mount Harrow. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome. I think that's a great connection he's making there too. But yeah, making it to Tyrell Basin for one of his mountain events is not going to happen in my calendar this year. And that's kind of what I was, I was all calling him to tell him I was, I was going to try to surprise him to come um, next weekend. And I'm really glad that I didn't buy plane tickets because, <laughs> um, yeah, that would have sucked. I just showed up and been like, where are they at? <laughs> you, you, you got that right. Well, there he's well he did he did the quiver shiver here just a couple of weeks ago, and that went off really well. And plus, they got some snow along with it too. Nothing treacherous because there's some areas like I I completely missed the snow, and it just went around around by. Now it'd be perfect for next week because starting tomorrow till Thursday, we're supposed to get like 14 inches of snow. So this weekend would have been phenomenal at the course. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a there's a fine line between kind of where he was at and getting a little more where it would have been dangerous, but having a lot more would have made it perfect in the snow department. And uh, because, you know, when you get to a foot of snow, then the crash and burns are just fluffier. Um, and, you know, just it just snow gets a little deeper, but it doesn't hurt you any, right? It just it just pisses you off. But I thought when, when he, you know, when I saw that come across you know come across the internet i was like that's epic you know but i i had my concerns about how it'd be received he's done the he's done the legwork he's done his platform has built the premise for that to be successful and that's because of who he is howie marcus the team that he has around him and you know and the relationship he has with tyrell basin is super important as a an event as an event director i know how important that can be Oh yeah, Nate's a Nate McCree is a, is a great dude. He's been on my podcast too way back when. I've shot with him last year too as well, and he's just a he's just a really nice guy. He really has a, a beautiful vision for what he wants to do with Tyrell Basin and expanding. Just dealing with the politics of Dane County, and it's just it is what it is. He's just he's he's working within their rules. Yeah, you know we've I've never spoke with him, but I spoke with Brian about the opportunity of bringing a mass event there and. We've always kind of discussed that it's just not quite big enough for what we need at this stage in the game. You know, I've looked at some stuff way north in Wisconsin to, because, you know, like I told Brian, I, I'm not interested in stepping on anybody's toes per se. I mean, you know, obviously I kind of pick on tack a little bit to some degree, um, but only in the, in the sense that, you know, that event has made me better at doing my event. You know, like he, he's paved the way for a lot of us to be able to do what we do, to bring it to that level, to where we've created, where he's created what we, what I like to term as a lifestyle event, right? And so, you know, so I'm hopeful that maybe someday I can get way up there and, and offset with Brian and that would be a conversation we'll have for sure before I even make that go, because I just highly respect what he's doing and what he's got going on there and and just in my in my opinion wisconsin is brian austin state man like that's it that's his state like i say i got nothing but great things to say about the dude i i dig him big time and so 
um, you know, as we as we look to expand Mountain Archery Fest, you know, we'll, we'll see where we yeah, go. Yeah, definitely. I know uh, Ben mentioned in the, in the in the chat there to go to uh, Great Bear Ski Resort there in Sioux Falls. Yeah, we'll see. I, I've looked at that. I won't really. I I try not to mention too much about places where I'm considering going because I've been um, cock blocked, if you will, a couple times by making those things public. We'll see where it all. We'll see where it all falls. Which makes sense because there's a lot to consider. We're making sure everybody has enough room and ample space because like, you also add glamping as an opportunity for those that want to be able to be more at the ground floor of everything, being part of the event. I know I've talked to uh, Armando from the bow hitch, and then I'm wearing uh, David's uh, bow, uh, bow spider and stuff like that. And those guys have both go to all your guys' events, well, between TAC and, and Mount Archery Fest. So it's like they're, they're, they like to try to do as much as possible. Uh, you know, we've, we've got an amazing vendors and sponsors that are behind us. And, you know, anybody that's a vendor, they're family. You know, I'm very particular with who I bring in and sometimes that can hurt me to some degree because people are always like you know why isn't your vendor village bigger you know some of the reasons for that is because if i don't believe in you and your product and i won't stand behind it 100 percent, or if your you know your attitude just doesn't blend with who we are then yeah you know i shy away from inviting some people yeah you know, i'm not trying to be you know i'm not trying to i don't know what's the right word be but you know, I, I'm not trying to discriminate anybody, but I just take my time. You know, I mean, you know, I got, it's like how I choose a resort. It's how I choose locations. It's how I choose people who are going to be a part of our event because look, my kids are going to be there. My family's going to be there. I, I need it to be safe. I need it to be secure. I need it to be a positive environment. I need it to be, they need to be family friendly and they got to be able to play in the sandbox with other people, you know, um, you know, I've been in situations in the last five years where they, you think that's their game, and then they get there and they're talking shit about another vendor slash competitor, and that doesn't reside well with me. I'm excited about everybody we have coming this year. I'm excited about the new ones we have. But to go back to kind of Armando, dude, he's he's a brother from another mother, man. He's 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 my cholo. You know, me and him talk a couple times a week. He has literally come to be one of my really close friends. You know, things have happened in my life or different things. I mean, he just, you know, he, we've just had a very open dialogue from day one. And, uh, and I'll never forget the first day I met him down at, uh, at a shoot in New Mexico. And um, I walked up to him and he had this booth there and I asked him what he had and what he was doing. And he showed me and, I thought, well, that's pretty freaking cool. I said, how simple is that? I'm like, God, why couldn't I have thought of that? You know, it was like, it seemed so easy. And sometimes those are the products that are the best there is, right? And so, man, I I bought the first one he ever sold. And I still have that that original one rides on my ride or die bow. And, you know, and that's when I invited him to come to MAF and got to meet his family and, I knew the minute I met him and Dougie that it was that they could fit right into who we were. And so, yeah, you know, those guys, you know, and that's what's cool is, is that, you know, no one rides or dies with just one, one event, right? You know, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're in the business of getting their product into as many hands as possible in this archery industry. And, and, you know, and I love people that are pushing for themselves and their product and going where they need to be and doing what they need to do. 
you know, and so, I mean, I got some dudes that follow us to every event, some that don't. I just want them to be successful. Anybody that has anything to do with math, I, I just want them to be, I want them to grow. I want them to be successful. And I want them to be proud that they're a part of what we're doing. And so I just work really hard to make sure that happens. That's the best way to look at it, man. I'm really definitely looking forward to going out to Eagle Point there in, in Beaver. I, I bought some new, a new, bought some new podcast gear and stuff like. Because I knew Ben was already working, talking to you about putting together, doing an in-person podcast. Like this is going to be great. But now it's like it's all going to come. It, you reached out to me ahead of schedule, and I'm looking forward to going out to this particular event. So, what are some of the things that for me? First time showing up to your your event. What are some of the things I should prepare for since I ha- since it is February and this event is in June? What are some of the things I should really focus on physically that I should pay attention to to help myself be prepared for said event? I think the first thing, Eagle Point is kind of its own special place. Um, the whole event is above ten thousand feet, so you are literally stepping into a, a high altitude event. You know, I, I've even got a couple of vendors that that won't come to Eagle uh, because high altitude kind of, they got a cutoff. You know, some people can make it to 11, 10. Some people, they, they just can't do past nine or 9,500. They just get high altitude sickness no matter what they do. The first thing I would tell you is, you know, on a training aspect, high intensity interval training is the way to go. Being able to, con- to be able to control your breathing, being able to get ramped up, bring it down quickly, you know, and that really helps you with white blood cell counts and different things that can really help you. If that's, have be plenty rested before you come. Don't be hot, you know, don't be training up to the day before you come. Take some time off a week, get yourself settled in, get your rest, get your sleep, hydrate. I mean, if you're not drinking a gallon of water a day before you're rolling into Eagle, you, you could find yourself in high altitude sickness pretty quickly. Another thing I tell a lot of people who come out and hunt or even to that event, wilderness athlete makes a product called altitude advantage. You know, I think that I, even if I'm going to be hunting above, I mean, I live at, you know, 7,500, 8,000 feet where I live in Colorado. And if I know I'm spending a long exerted amount of time above 11,000 feet, I take altitude advantage. I speak for it because it works. And so I would highly suggest that you you start taking that the week before you come and take it through the event. Now, some of our other events, they're not at that high. I mean, the highest point on the mountain might be 9,800, 95, 92, um, but you're not spending the whole three days above 10,000 feet. Our campgrounds at 10,000 feet, the event, every course is above 10,000 feet. Our nightlife is above 10,000 feet. And so that is a mountain that will surely tell you where you stand in that realm of 10,000 plus. Nice. I've never done anything at that high of an altitude before. So it's going to be definitely a uh, interesting event for me because I'm, as before I hit record, I was telling you that I'm going to the, to the chiropractor, digging through, helping fix some of the issues with my spine because a lot of the issues that surfaced because of my injury from 2020 is all spine related. So I'm doing a lot of bends uh, and twists to, to try to balance out material that's in the spinal column there to help level it all out. So it's like, that's a good, really good insight. And I'm, I'm watching Ben still talk about or in the, in the chat group there. So that's something that I'm going to really, we're all going to probably have to make sure we all take and stuff like it is going to be a, it's going to help us achieve that. Cause I had no idea that we'd be coming into 10,000 feet above that sea level. So it's going to be a, a fun 
uh, exerting uh, process. Now, what about um, on average? Like, what do guys typically bring? How many arrows do they do? Do they do like a dozen, two dozen arrows, just to kind of have them prepared to miss? Yeah, one to two is fine. I mean, you know, we the way I set my courses, the carbon course is one that you have an opportunity to lose some arrows on for sure. But you know, the rest of the courses are pretty reasonable. You know, our beginner course is three yards to fifty-two yards. Uh, our intermediate course up from there, you know, is going to take you, you know, it'll be some short shots, three to five yards as well, but then you're going to be stepping out to 70 to 80. Then you get into our hunting course and you're starting to be that, you know, three yards to 85 yards. Then you start getting into the carbon course and you're talking, you know, 60 yard to 120, right? So, um, but every course has a couple shots that belong on the next course, if you will. So that if you can complete one course, if you did reasonably well on the longer shots on that course, um, then the next course you're probably going to do well on, right? And so each one lends itself to building the self-esteem and the knowledge and the ability to continue to work your way up through the courses. You know, our, our carbon course that on Eagle is more of a hiker. Uh, it surely is a little bit more exerting, a little bit longer in length. It's the longest course we build out of our whole circuit, out of all seven shoots. That's something you need to have great boots. You know, that course, you'll take your own snacks, your own lunch, ton, you know, at least three liters to four liters of water. Really, if you're not from elevation, you should be preparing yourself to most of your weight in your pack should be water, right? You need, you're going to need to drink lots of water. So, but arrow wise, you know, I mean, it, you know, make sure your third axis is on, make sure your bow's set up and tuned before you come practice, practice angles, practice whatever you can and just, you know, just come confident and ready to shoot and you'll lose less arrows. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I learned when I was shot with uh, Brian on Brian's course. I came with six left with one and I managed to do his 3d night scramble which pitch black and we're just watching this the arrow just go every which direction there and such and that was that was definitely a challenge because brian had shots all the way from i think the average was 60 but we 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 had a buffalo at like 129 yards and it's like i'm gonna be definitely picking up the the rise from hha there's a shameless plug there for chris and then uh gonna be training with that as well so i'm going to be getting ready getting geared up for that particular because i'm bringing my hunting bow with me because i have a target bow but it's like that's just for for shooting around these parts here because we don't there's not i won't be it's, it's, not, it's something that i will not bring to my target bow is something i will not bring to a brian event or a math event just because it's just it's just more for a leisure funds i think man this i'm really excited now do you have anything planned for like saturday night as a as a, as a big powwow do you, are you bringing in a band or or are you gonna have a dj or something like that just to kind of bring everybody in? or are you gonna pull a, a brian and do a 3d 20 team two-man scramble at night pitch black won't be doing that. Um, but I can tell you, you know, we have, we have lots of festivities that we do throughout the weekend. So starting on Friday, uh, we'll have our backyard bash. We'll have great dinner specials, cornhole tournament, a little bit of music, which is a good time. And then we fade in and kind of settle in about 8 o'clock with some stories and s'mores. We'll have a guest speaker there. We can hang out around a couple campfires and just kind of get to know someone and their stories and and kind of chill out on Friday night. Um, then, of course, we have our Mountain Madness competition on Saturday. We do our shoot-off in the afternoon. Uh, we will have a couple seminars uh, on hand as well in the afternoon. 
possibly our elk calling competition. We're dialing in our schedule on that with Guy Dupontier. But I think that I don't think he'll be at Eagle. So I don't know if we'll have an elk calling comp at Eagle. He's one of my good friends that kind of has a 9,000 foot cutoff. My event at Eagle was the first time he ever had altitude sickness. And then, of course, you know, I dropped a, I dropped a, another podcast I was on today talking about mine, his hunt, elk hunting, where, he, I mean, he came off the sea level and went to 11,000 feet, and it was not okay. Like, he, he thought he'd done everything he could to be at high altitude. And we, we quickly learned that he's got a 9,000, 9,200-foot cutoff switch, and he, he probably will never hunt higher than that ever in his life. But then after that, on Saturday night, we do have our Saturday night social and depending on who who sponsors that social per event, you can see that entail a few different things. Obviously, we'll definitely have a keg of beer. We might have a short short film. We might have a, another speaker, or we might just be jamming some tunes and just hanging out and just having a little bit of a party and getting to know each other and just doing a social event. There's a little bit for everybody. You know, we have camping on site, glamping on site. That's a super important aspect of who MAF is because we want people to be able to just kind of come be families. You know, bringing a family and getting hotel rooms and eating out and all that can get extremely expensive. So, you know, having a place where you can post up a camper, make yourself a little breakfast or lunch and have a place to retreat for some air conditioning or that kind of thing. Every event we have great food, whether it's restaurants, food trucks, all at good affordable prices, but it just gives that bigger family an option of being able to still attend our event, immerse themselves into it, have a good time and keeping the bank account in check. That's a big piece. Oh yeah, definitely. We've all, we've all been plan, uh, planning between Ben and I about what we're going to be bringing. I got a, a collapsible grill when we bring with two burners. I got a couple of, of different types of sk- uh, skillets and cast iron, and I got a brand new. Uh, well, I don't know if the wife bought it for me or if it's for her. But we got a brand new cooler and stuff like that. So we're going to be. She's she's all excited because we got a, a camper and gifted to us and so now we're going to uh going to be spending some time and energy into get it all prepared for this upcoming season we're not going to bring it out to beaver just because it's it's a long drive and gas is not cheap to go to go add on to it but it's we're, we're already planning out because we're he's we're bringing venison and we're going to be bringing beef it's going to be it's going to be a blast for all of us going to be out there out of all the courses you have set up for this season for for all seven of them which one's your favorite depends to shoot my favorite course is usually, uh, I believe this year it'll be the Onyx course, um, which is kind of our Western hunting course. That's one of my favorites because, you know, it's a true test of where you're at and your bow hunting skills and your setup and your gear. Um, you know, I highly encourage people to, you know, bring the boots they're going to be hunting in, the setup they're going to hunt with on their bow. You know, your, your bino pack, you know, maybe even your top you're going to use, you know, just kind of be in that mindset of utilizing that course to prepare yourself for your upcoming hunts. And that's one that in the past I've always been a part of setting, um, but new this year, I won't be setting any phone this year. My crew has just risen to the top last year. Um, they've asked me to kind of go be a CEO and go do what I need to do and get out of their way. And I couldn't be more proud of my crew and and what they want to do and how they want to how they want to perform this year. You know, something a course that's really more dear to my heart is really the track action mobility course. Jeff, that course last year changed my changed my soul. It changed who I am as a man and a person. 
watching some of these people that are a little less fortunate than us get this opportunity to come out and shoot for the first time in their lives because they've got a chair that will allow them to access that opportunity. Or even some dudes that were hunters before or bow shooters before who now have, you know, had thrown that away in their life. And now it's back in their life because of something we've, we've come to offer. That one, uh, that one hits the old ticker, dude. Like there's, there's people who I met and some experiences I got to be a part of last year that were just forever life changing for me. You know, every course has a special place for me, but you know, those two courses are, are, you know, what I look forward to shooting the most. Um, you know, our track action course also is our kids course. It's, I mean, it's a course that's cleared for track action and, and, and disability impaired and, you know, and then it's also set up for our competition and it's also set for kids to shoot. So meaning basically it's just cleared well and it's pinned. It has lots of different whiskers and pins and places they can stand. And it's built with that safety in mind, um, no matter how, how close they are to the target or not. And so I get to shoot that on multiple levels because, you know, I started shooting trad last year and there's, there's some kids that have been coming to our event for years, Jeff, that, that like to shoot with me. Um, you know, and uh, so I go out there with my trad bow and we have a great time. You know, I miss a lot and they get to rub that in. Um, and every now and then I connect a good one and I get to give it back. And, um, <laughs> you know, and we just, it's just a, that course just has a lot of great energy wrapped around it for me. That's kind of the, the answers I got for you. That's beautiful, man. That's, that's really cool that you, the kids have kind of make this a big event for themselves to get to shoot with you, Brandon. So that's, uh, it's pretty special, especially when you get to a chance to shoot with people that you've only met online or, or only had conversation. You actually get to meet the, the real person and they're actually the, something you want to meet in real life. Cause we've all met some people that are just kind of like, we're a big letdown. Like one of my favorite people I got to meet last year was um, Johnny Utah, Johnny Mulligan from Iowa. Him and I sat down, did a 90 minute podcast. We talked about ayahuasca. We talked about grieving. We talked about how the, how the archery world's really kind of given us peace for when we're at stressful times in our lives and such. So it's just amazing what like some of these people you get to meet and like, I seen you on Instagram. And I actually get to hang out with you and you're, you're not some snuck stuck up snob. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I had, um, a young lady, her name's Cameron Fitch. Gosh, I can't remember what her, her actual is thing on Instagram. She's a complete inspiration to me. I'll look her up real quick because it's worth sharing. Fitch underscore K underscore Hot Wheels. Cameron's in a wheelchair, uh, 20-year-old young lady. She drove 12 or 15 hours last year to meet me in Montana and to come and shoot with me on our adaptive course. Um, drove up there all by herself, hung out with the, hung out with me for a day. And she says to me, oh, you're such an inspiration. You're, you know, I just couldn't wait to meet you. You're great. All these things. And dude, really, it's, it's a, a complete the opposite for me. Like I felt the same way about her as she felt about me. And that's because she's an inspiration to me. And she's just a kick-ass girl to hang out with, to be honest. I mean, to the point where this year, she's, we actually talked right before this podcast, and it looks like she may be coming on our team. She's ex extremely uh, excited for the opportunity. And I just, she, she just proved to me her grit and her wherewithal of this industry and her passion. And, 
you know, and those are the kinds of people that I want to surround myself with to be successful in what I do. And so, well, fingers crossed, he's going to say yes to what we talked about. And, and she'll get to come and, and be a part of the team at every event. Um, and because, uh, you know, that's like you're saying, you get to meet really cool people. Um, you get to meet real people. And, you know, that's, and, and, I, and I've begun to figure out that I'm, I'm succeeding in what I've set out to do. You know, we've created that atmosphere where people can come and be comfortable. And, you know, and I've got, for instance, you know, even people that are somewhat what you call Insta famous who come to our events. And, you know, they come and kind of fly under the radar with us because, you know, they just want, they want to be just normal people too. You know, we've had celebrities come to our events that we kind of, you know, just kind of slide in and let them shoot because they don't want to do an appearance. They don't want to do a booth. They don't want to really be in the limelight. They don't want to take away from or, or you know, add a distraction, if you will, to our event. And they just, so it's uh, it's a pretty cool feeling, man, to know that you're, 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 that you're kind of accomplishing some of the things that you set out to do. But I tell you, math is a place where you can just come be yourself, whether you've never, maybe you've never even shot a 3D before, um, Jeff, you're not very experienced. You know, this is the place to come. Math is the place to come explore that next realm of 3D events um, and to come be around great like-minded people that just want to be there to help you and, and help you grow and make you comfortable and safe. Uh, there's so many great people that come to our events, the, you know, from the top down, from my staff to the vendors, our sponsors, past participants, you know, we're, uh, that's what, you know, that, that's what makes math the most complete 3D event in the USA is, is the people, you know, and, and that, that welcoming attitude from every level. And, and that comes from the event location hosts right the resorts or the the property owners to you know my staff people in the community that where you stay hotels um you know they're all just welcoming people just true good american people who just want the best for each other and that's what makes us successful man that's what makes us the event you can't miss Great way to put it right there, man. I know for myself, when I go to, when I travel around, I've specifically designed my podcast to be a traveling podcast. And I just bought myself a, it's so small. It is a Zoom ProTrack P4. And this has got four XLR cables to it. It runs off of batteries. And I found out when I first bought it that it will run off a power pack. So I can sit there and it's like, I'm looking for it. Like I, I bought this for this event because when we, when, Ben and I first talked about this, and Trent, we were, we were just going to be the three of us. And then, then it expanded to a whole family event. So now it's going to be even more great because it's like Ben's got this, his little boy, Reed, and he is just a go-getter. He's just got the same personality as his dad does. I'm looking forward to hanging out with him and going to shoot on, on the kids' course with him because he's just, he's just so – full of energy and so full of life and it's just it's just so expensive so it's, uh, it's just an experience to be around them because it's exude just positive energy yeah so we were, the whole thing was to grab this record several podcasts because we're all going to meet up at his place in sioux falls and we're going to drive all the way out there so now we're going to all sit down and go from there so i'm looking forward to to being able to hang out with everybody it's just going to meeting a whole bunch of new people you know you're 
two years back when I was doing Wilderness Attitude, I had a similar recorder that I could run the same way, and I would pack um, headphones and that, splitter, everything I have is battery-powered. And I've done quite a few podcasts at 12,000 feet where we literally hiked up there, got the view of a lifetime, and just drop right there, side of the mountain, and roll a podcast, man. Um, oh, dude, I'm definitely taking that idea. I'm, it's going to be cool. It's, it's great. It's great. Nothing replaces it because you're just, well, I'll be honest, one time we did it, we all just sat there and we were just kind of like dumbfounded. At how cool this was. <laughs> and our podcast is kind of lame because we were just like, what are we going to talk about? We don't want to talk about nothing. We just want to sit here and just absorb this whole energy, this whole thing that we could see around us 300 degrees and see hundreds and hundreds of miles away from a spot we did um, up in the La Plata's. It was awesome but yeah dude you know the mobility of this equipment nowadays and the things that you can achieve the campfire stories the late nights you know even you know even some of the drunken hotel after event podcasts can be a little raw but they can be really (laughs) fun dude i mean like you know a really good time i i was almost tempted to do like a rated r version of wilderness attitude that was all like you know, late night campfire rated R, you know, talk because most of it's complete bullshit and, <laughs> and, you know, and tall tales and, and just really giving each other a hard time. And a bunch of guys sitting around farting on the mic and just being rude and having fun and drinking beer. I'm looking forward to the content that you make and, and I'm inspired to have a, you know, the opportunity to be on here. And I thank you a lot for this opportunity, man, and getting to be a part of what you're doing. I've, I, uh, I think you do a fantastic job at, at what you do and, um, you know, we'll do our part in making sure everybody knows you're coming to the event and maybe we can get, you know, some cool stuff lined up for you to come have some more fun on the mountain with us. Be cool. Definitely looking for, you know, Ben's bringing out his camera, I'm bringing out my camera and we're just going to be taking pictures and videos. And it's like, we're going to, we're going to have so much content from out of this. It's going to be amazing. And little quick little one-liners and just it's just going to be a blast i'm so looking forward to the to the upcoming event and such and at these events are you able to shoot these or are you just more of like a, an overall manager that's kind of walking around making sure everything goes off without a hitch you know every year has looked a little bit different for me you know the first couple of years i was able to shoot quite a bit because we weren't really that busy um our growth in year three and four uh year three i didn't shoot one event it was quickly labeled uh, after our post-summer meetings to that it will, I need to shoot. Everyone in our crew needs to shoot. Uh, we try to set aside time for everybody in our crew to have an off day to be able to go and shoot their bow and mingle amongst our, our registrants and, and their friends and family. Last year, I shot a couple courses, but mostly, to be honest with you, I shoot in the practice range. It keeps me centrally located and available to put out fires. I mean, because ultimately, my overall position is the is the event director. So I oversee my mountain manager, my vendor village manager, and the mountain staff. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, there is a lot of things that I have to make sure is happening and and things are safe and I'm overviewing and making sure everything's in check. You know, this last year, 
my crew did such an awesome job that I found myself um, being able to relax a little bit more um, at these events and being able to be a little bit more available to, like I said, shooting with some of the kids and, and shooting with Cameron. And so the overall object, objective for me this year is to my team in key places this year. Uh, I'm not traveling the road with them this year, leading them through the country. Garrett's stepping up and taking that off my plate. Still kind of putting together my team that'll be coming with me to the events to run them. So I'll be a little bit more hands-on at the events. Like last year, you know, it's just such a long road season that, you know, I was, I wasn't really a part of the nighttime activities. I wasn't really a part of the competition. I wasn't really a part of some of these key elements through the weekend because I was exhausted. I was just checking out early and going to bed up at five on the mountain, making sure everything's ready to accept everybody for the day. So I didn't get to shoot as much as I like. This year, the plan is for me to have more freedom to be able to shoot a course per day, to be more of a CEO, shoot with some of our sponsors, shoot with some of our vendors, shoot with some of the kids, and just be more readily available to be the face of Mountain Archery Fest, if you will. So I'm excited about my new role. I hope it plays out well. I have never had any major catastrophes on our mountain, safety-wise. Over the years, we've looked at some big stuff that's happened. Uh, we, you know, we had a fire that was coming straight towards our mountain one year. Thank God that that forest division snuffed that out pretty quick. It was a little bit, a little bit unnerving knowing that I had you know 500 people on the mountain and you know a bunch of money and foam everywhere, and it could be gone in a heartbeat mid-season, and that would be catastrophic. Getting foam, you know, during the COVID hoax was a little difficult. Safety-wise, we've done great. You know, we had one accident last year, and that was that's the only one we've had in the four years. A guy broke his ankle. Something that can something that can happen. But the response time and the crew times and the things that the few accidents we've had are just amazing. I mean, we're faster than an ambulance or a fire department coming to, in the city to come and save you. Uh, so, you know, we've got a great response team and. And so I'm, I'm, you know, it's taken me four years of micromanaging everybody to death to where basically our last two events last year, they were like, go away, like, go away. We are done with you. You need to go do other things in this whole business. You need to go fly and be what you go do what you want to do. And, and we got you. So I'm super excited. So this is going to be, it's going to be a different kind of year for me. You know, I mean, I'm used to being there through all the setup and, making sure everything's going good and the volunteers are where they're supposed to be. You know, like, I'll be honest, this is stepping me out of my comfort zone this year. But, you know, I've kind of given that to God and given it to my crew and, give, you know, not arrogantly patting myself on the back, but just saying, look, you've done this. You've, you've given them the keys to succeed and you've, you know, it's time for you to allow them to succeed and allow them to do what they need to do. So. We'll see how it all shakes out. <laughs> <laughs> so is there, any, is there anything we haven't covered that you want to say before we close out? Um, yeah, I think something that we've created this year that has another special place to my heart is our volunteer, our volunteer deal. You know, we really want to, uh, I just really want people to know what we're doing there. Uh, we, we love to have set up and tear down crew. It means a lot to us. It's a hard job. We're giving away 
free day of shooting for every eight hours you volunteer. We've got this badass T-shirt that you have to earn. You can't just that's uh, awesome. You can't you can't just buy one in Vendor Village. If you are wearing one of these, you have given. You have if you have sweat, blood, maybe tears involved in in being a part of of what math is. You know, we got great stickers. We've we've got volunteer positions all through the week. Not just set up and take down, but even during our event, we've got great opportunities for people to work two hours, three hour segments. So maybe maybe you you want a little help financially in shooting, come volunteer. Um, we, we'll help you there. If you don't shoot, but you're a family member and you still want to come and be a part of this great event and, and do some stuff with us, come volunteer. Earn some shooting for your kids. Earn some shooting for your spouse. Maybe you're with your local bow club state organization get a hold of me let's get your let's get your organization involved let's let's pass down some free shooting to kids in your organization or to some other people maybe come and volunteer your eight hours and say that's for a veteran that's for someone disabled to come up here and have an opportunity to shoot your your track action mobility course we just want to offer opportunity to anybody and everybody to come be a part of what we're doing. And there's lots of things. Maybe you're computer savvy, you can be in registration. Maybe you're a great salesman, come work merch. Uh, maybe you love hiking the mountain, come be a course, a course guy, you know, and make sure our courses are moving along right. And you can get your exercise in, your steps, and hustle the mountain and have some fun, meet some great people. I mean, you know, we just, we want people to be involved in what we're doing and be a part of our family and be a part of that special thing that we've created and see the behind the scenes of what we do. It's uh, it, we have set from our first year being me and three of my boys and a couple girls to set in all that mountain to now there's about a key 10 or 12 of us that have always done it. And when you come to one of our events and you see what we have set up and what we do and the courses we set, it blow your mind that we get all that done in four days between 10 people. And so we're just looking to make it a little easier on the crew and be more inclusive and get some more people out there and check out our stay and play packages we have that are, which are awesome. They're one set price, a family of four, and it gets you everything for the whole weekend that you can be a part of, some meals, climate pads, Onyx stuff, shooting for all three days, novelty money, merchandise, a massage. Like, it's just the most immersive way to come be a part of math on an affordable level. And, um, and then aside from that, man, uh, you know, the only thing, the other thing I can touch on is just how great our sponsors are. You know, we've got Onyx, Carbon TV, and Vortex. You know, Vortex has been with us from the very beginning. They're one of our legacy partners, so is Initial Ascent, PAX. And we can just break it on down, Bohish and Sneak Tech. And gosh, I mean, there's so many that we wouldn't be here without them as well. You know, if I had to say anything else is just thank you to all of you that have come and supported our event, who have shot our event. Um, who have come as vendors, who are there as sponsors. All of this is possible. You know, I get the easy part. I get to be there and see people smiling and people shooting and having fun and telling me how great it is and how much they enjoy it and how they're going to bring friends back. And, 
you know, and their family's back and they just, you know, and I get to receive all the good stuff. I wouldn't get my heart filled if it wasn't for all of you that, that help us achieve it. Just thank you to everyone that's ever been here at past, present or future. You know, we have, we have room for more vendors and sponsors. We have, we're just getting started, dude. We're just getting started. That's awesome. So there we have it. And then I was looking through YouTube. Do you have a YouTube channel or is that somebody else that took your name? We do have one. Ben's working on that piece for our YouTube stuff. We've had a guy working on that for a while. It never really went anywhere. Ben coming on board has come in to be our content creator. He's building stuff. We're getting stuff on our Carbon TV channel. We're going to be getting stuff in YouTube shorts, getting some more of that movement happening here real quickly. You'll see that change. We've completely revamped our social media to some degree. We were quite a content page for a while. We're shifting into really being who we are, finding our direction there. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook currently right now, and then keep an eye out for our additions to Carbon and YouTube coming up. Fantastic. Well, I want to say thank you for everybody tuning into another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I want to say thank you for everybody that showed up in the chat, Max, Ben, most of all, Brandon, thank you for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and it's just like exciting about this upcoming trip and actually providing some really good food for thought for the Utah shoot for being over 10,000 feet. So knock on what I don't get altitude sickness. Yes. Do your, do your, do your work. Maybe take a little time getting to the event to acclimate for a couple of days coming in, add a few more days to your incoming trip. It'll be well worth your time. And thank you very much for this opportunity, Jeff. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see all the listeners out there on the mountain. And until then, be safe, be well, and God bless y'all. Excellent. Ben, Brendan and I are going to sit down. We're actually going to talk about a cooking episode. So stay tuned for Friday for that launch to come on out. <laughs>